Turn to the person next to you, say, I'm so glad you're here today. I hope you meant that. <laughs> but good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. God is moving by his spirit. We thank God for what he did uh, during the prayer and fasting time, what he did last Sunday. We have heard testimonies. We have seen the impact of the testimonies in the Holy Spirit that is changing people's lives. Amen. The gospel is good news. The gospel is about change. It's about making a difference. And what God has done for one, he'll do for another. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you would open up in your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 5. We're beginning, we have begun to encourage people to take their Bibles to church. <laughs> Isn't that novel? Taking your Bibles to church. We know in the technologically advanced society that we live in that everybody has it on their phone. But sometimes a phone can be in discouragement. Tell the person next to you, say, did you hear that? Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready to receive the word after such great worship and prayer and encouragement from the scriptures? I want to speak to you this morning about the nevertheless of faith. The nevertheless of faith. Would you stand together with me as we look into the word of God this morning? We're going to read from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. Now it was, no, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake Gennesaret and, two, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, everyone say, nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And followed him. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you and say, nevertheless. nevertheless. And you may be seated. <clears throat> I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning about the nevertheless of faith. The key verse in this passage of scripture would be verse 5 where Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That would be the key verse. What I consider the key uh, word 
is nevertheless. That word means in spite of that, notwithstanding, all the same. In spite of that. What are we talking about this morning? The logic, the information that has gone before that seems to contradict what is coming or what is. You see, the word nevertheless in this passage of scripture, I believe is a spark, really Peter indicating or expressing a spark of faith. For Peter was ready to quit. He was ready to give in to his circumstances. He was ready to give up hope. But he said one word, one word that I believe is critical, one word that I believe is powerful that we would do well to have in our vocabulary this morning, and that's the word nevertheless. You see, here we have Peter, the wise and experienced fisherman, knowing all the reasons why it's not a good idea, saying, in spite of all the facts, whatever they tell me, it won't work, I'm going to try it anyway. So Peter was giving a nevertheless of faith. For him, he was saying, I'm going to try it again, I'm going to go at it again, even though logic contradicts it, even though the circumstances don't, don't seem to lend itself to it, nevertheless, I will try it again. I want to speak to you about the nevertheless of faith. It's like the man that we talked about last week. That man that had a child that was being tormented by evil spirits. He was so overwhelmed. He had brought his child to the disciples. The disciples were not able to help. And then finally Jesus comes on the scene and he brings his child to Jesus. And, and Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible. And the man says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's what I want to speak to, about, speak to you about today. And, and I want to talk to you because I believe that if we're going to be honest this morning, we're, we're all in that place at one time or another where we believe, but yet we struggle in our faith. And, 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 and we, we look at our circumstances and, and we have to get to the place of saying, nevertheless. See, what I want to talk to you about today is about beginning again after a disappointment, beginning again after a setback, after maybe even a failure, a loss. Maybe in your life you've taken three steps forward, but it seems like you're always taking two steps backwards. Peter was able to say, nevertheless, and I trust that by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit today, God would just stir your hearts that you'll be able to say that same word to whatever you're going through. Let's break it down this morning. I want to look at three points from this passage of Scripture. The first point is having the right focus. Having the right focus. I love verse 1. How many of you love God's Word this morning? It, you, you have to love God. If you love, if you love Jesus, you've got to love His Word. Amen? Because Jesus is, or the Word is the express plan and purpose and character and heart of God given to us in this very special book. There is no book greater than the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. Thy word, O Lord, the psalmist said, is settled in heaven forever. 
So I want to speak to you for a few moments on having the right focus. The Bible says in this verse, it says, And so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. I want you to get that image in your mind. Jesus is teaching. He is preaching. But there is a certain group of people. There are some the, the hungry hearts. There are eager souls that are pressing in around him, that are pressing in. Why? Because they want to hear the word of God. They want to hear what is being spoken. I believe that they had the right focus. I believe it's critical in the day and age we live in, to make sure that we have the right focus in our life. It is extremely critical. The law of attraction states, what you focus on, you are attracted to. What you focus on, you will be attracted to. That's why it's important that we, we watch what we watch, that we are careful with our eye gate in our ear gate, because what we see, we can be drawn to. It is amazing. Why do you think they pay millions and millions of dollars? Why do you think during the Super Bowl, major corporations will pay millions of dollars for a 30-second commercial? Because they know through the eye gate what they present to you, something you really can't afford, something you really don't need, but you have to have it because you see it. Hello? It's called the law of attraction. And, 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 and how many times have you been sitting home and a commercial comes on and, and it's for a Big Mac now, 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 or McDonald's and, and, and you know that that sandwich is not that good, but look how good it looks on TV. It's simmering. It, it's, got, it's got a little flavor oozing out of it. It looks so good and you're at home and you say, I got to have one. It's all about marketing. It's all about marketing, millions of dollars being paid. And we're living in critical times right now. So many things are vying for our attention. Our news feeds, our social media accounts, our news program. Listen to me, I, I want you to get this. You need to understand this. They all have an agenda. Their agenda is follow me, buy my product, believe what I believe, Adopt my narrative or adopt my truth. Usually it's all for self-glorification or for the bottom line, which is profit. You and I, in the day and age we live in, we have to be like the people in verse 1. We have to have the right focus. What was their focus? They were focused on the word of God. They were focused on the eternal truths of God's word. Another translation said they wanted to hear a word from God. How many of you want to hear a word from God? That takes, you have to press in. You have to press through distractions. Now, when I was in Bible school, back in the day, we would go to chapel every, every day. Every day, Monday through Friday, we would have a chapel. It would be at 11 o'clock and it would be before lunch, and we would have a time of praise and worship. The word would be preached, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the way it was, you would have um, assigned seating. So whatever seat you got at the beginning of the semester was your seat for the whole year. Now, I, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I want to just share with you something that I did. Now, now I wanted the front seat. Now, for those of you in the back, I still love you. 
And it don't mean you're any less spiritual than those in the front. Lawrence, you're all the way in the back. You can't get any further back without being in the foyer. But I wanted to be in the front because I didn't want any distractions. You know, back then we didn't have cell phones. I mean, some of you young people think I'm really old now. That there was a time when there was no social media. Uh, I mean, so it was a little slower back then. You know, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't hit people up through text. You sent a note through 14 people to get to the girl on the other side because the guys were on one side and the girls were on the other. But I remember after the third period of class, as soon as you were dismissed, as soon as the teacher let you go, a few of us, we were sprinting to the chapel to get that anointed front seat. Now, why were we doing that? Is it any more anointed than the back seat? No. But the purpose in the heart was to press through, to get to a place where we could hear the word of God and maybe not be distracted. So what am I saying to you this morning? I believe that when you come to the house of God, you have to sit, as it were, on the edge of your seat, listening, perceiving. God, are you speaking to me? God, what are you saying to me? The people, they pressed through the crowds. They were pressing in. They wanted to hear God's word. How many of you, some of you, and, and I didn't know you were going to be late this morning. Well, although I did know some of you were going to be late because you're late every week. But come on, brothers and sisters. We cannot be coming in quarter past 10, 10.30. It's one thing if it's an emergency or something happens, but week after week, we need to press in. We need to get here, not late, but on time or early. I thought I'd get a better amen for some of you that are guilty this morning. How many of you are still with me? You see, a lot of things that we're going to come, especially in the day we're living in, AI, artificial intelligence. Let me, let me, just, let me just say this to you. You are going to see in the next few years, you mark this down, write it down, you're going to see so many, so many conspiracy theories. You're going to see so many crazy things on your social media feed. You are going to see some of the most absurd things. And, and you would think that a, a, a balanced Christian uh, with, with any level of biblical understanding would just, just dismiss it. But you'd be surprised some of the kooky and crazy things people will believe because they're on the internet and become some so-called whoever, non-profit or profit ministry. It's usually a non-profit. They think they're a prophet, but it's really a non-profit ministry. And if you are not discerning, you will be deceived. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells us, Jesus said, that even the elect, if it were possible, would be deceived. Because of false prophets. Now, a false prophet is not someone who comes necessarily in religious garb and dress and, and, and calls themselves a prophet. prophet. They can be, they can be in, in many different spheres of influence where they are giving false information. They are giving things that, uh, uh, saying things that will draw people away. But you know what we have to understand this morning? It's the truth that sets you free. Now, there's a lot of truth in the world. You can learn about programming a computer, but it won't set you free. 
You can learn about self-help from a book that might be true, but it won't set you free. The only truth that sets you free is the truth of God's word. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we have heard, I've heard even politicians, I've heard TV programs, I have people say the truth will set you free. They don't even know that they're quoting the word of God. But you know what? True freedom does not just come from any so-called truth. It comes from the truth of the word of God. Jesus said, "Abide if you are my disciples, you will abide in my word. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, that's why we encourage you this morning and throughout the year. The only freedom is through God's holy word this morning. The only freedom, that's why we encourage and sell a one-year Bible to help you get on a, a plan to go through the Word of God every year. That's why we promote and encourage life groups and, and EL courses. That's why in our nursery and our children and our youth, we all make it a priority to present the Word of God. Why? Because you have to feed your mind with God's Word. You have to read it daily. You have to memorize Scripture. Why am I saying this? It sounds like a lot to do. Listen, you'll do what you love to do. If you love God, then, then God will give you more of an appetite. Maybe you won't be where someone else is in a week or a month or a year. It's not about the other person. It's about you and your hunger and your desire to be free. So, so listen, if you're struggling today in a certain area, you can Google verses that will help you to think upon the word of God and what it has to say about those areas. When you look at the world this morning, it's easy to be discouraged. You scroll your social media feed, you listen to talk radio, you watch the news, you can feel overwhelmed. But I want you to understand something this morning. When you fill your mind with the word of God, the truth, you'll become more hopeful. You'll have a better perspective on life. Would you just be willing to start here, to start now, to make small steps? so that you may grow. Amen. You see, in the scriptures, we see that they were pressing in. I want to ask you this morning, are you pressing in to hear what God has to say? Or are you just casually coming to church? You know, A.W. Tozer once said, God speaks to the person who really wants to know. He has nothing to say to the careless and the indifferent. Not just hearers, but doers of the word. You say, Pastor, I'm hearing the word. Isn't, doesn't faith come by hearing? Yes, but it also comes, really comes by doing. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. I want to read a verse of scripture from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. It's a powerful verse of scripture. It says, it says something that's very, very profound. It talks about the gospel being preached. It says in verse Chapter 4, verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it's a powerful verse of scripture. What is the author saying? He's saying the same gospel that you've heard was preached to others, but it didn't make a difference in their life because they didn't mix faith in it. This morning, what you're hearing, you got to mix faith with it. Come on, you got to stir some faith in it so that you can receive from God. It was interesting as I was studying this passage of Scripture, one commentator said, 
that the word of God was preeminent in this passage. Even though there was a miracle, and we're going to talk about that, one author said no miracle was allowed to direct attention away from Jesus' teaching ministry. What do I mean by that? No matter how sensational the miracle was, the focus was always on the word. We live in a day and an age that the more sensational you are, the more followers, the more likes, the more views you get. Isn't that true? The crazier, the more absurd, the more out there, the more a better following you get. But you know what's happening? It even creeps into Christianity and it creeps into a church where people or churches have to be more sensational in their presentation or what they say. They think they have to help God. How many of you know you don't have to help God? If you preach the word, you love people, you follow Jesus, God will bless, God will give the increase. You don't have to, you don't have to pull a rabbit out of your hat. Number two, number two. Try it again. Let's look at the passage of Scripture. What do we see? We see Peter, James, and John. They are fishermen by trade. They're experienced. They're skilled. They made their living by fishing. Here comes Jesus. He's preaching the word. The crowds get so great, they begin to crowd him in. They begin to press around him so much so that he needs a platform. He needs a pulpit, if you will. Now, this is a makeshift pulpit. This isn't a, a real platform like we have or a pulpit that we have. He needed something that would help with, with, the, with the layout acoustically to be able to reach the multitudes and, and to have a place where he could, he could present the word of God. So he sees Peter, James, and John. He sees Peter. He says, Peter, can I borrow your boat? So Peter allows Jesus to use his boat as a pulpit, as a platform to speak the word of God. Jesus is speaking, he's preaching, the sermon's over, he says amen, and Jesus turns to Peter, and he wants to bless him now. See, Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat, gave him of his, gave of his livelihood, if you will, and now Jesus is going to bless him abundantly. Now, I want you to understand, this was a small act of kindness by Peter, but what Jesus was about to do was to be exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that he could even ask or think. So, so they're done, um, and, and, and for Peter and his fishing partners, it had been a rough go. They had fished all night, and they caught nothing, nada, nothing. They're washing their nets. Washing the nets was a sign that the day was over and they were preparing for the next day. That was the last thing a fisherman did was to wash his nets, fold them up, and prepare for the next day. Look what Peter says in verse 5. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. What does that sound like to you? They're done. They are done. Put a fork in them. They're done. Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Here they are. You could feel the, the, the mild rebuke, if you will, of Peter to Jesus saying, Master, listen, we've tried it. We're fishermen. You're a carpenter. Thank you, but we know our trade. How many times in life we can feel like that? We've been working hard. 
We've been doing our best, but yet we can't seem to get ahead. Maybe you've been battling an addiction. You've overcome for a few days, maybe even a week or two, but then you fall back into the same destructive habits. Maybe you're having a battle with your weight. You do well for a while, you do good on the fast, you do good for a couple of weeks after the fast, but then you begin to eat overeat for too long. Maybe you've tr tried to develop healthy, godly relationships in the church, yet no one from the church seems to follow through on getting together with you. Maybe you've gotten involved in the ministry of the church, serving, but you haven't seen any fruit from all of your labor. Maybe this morning you've dealt with chronic pain and you've been anointed with oil more times than you can count, but you know better. Like Peter, you might say, Master, I've toiled all night, but I've come up empty-handed. I don't have anything. In other words, I've tried it. I've tried again and again, and I seem to fail. I've tried it again and again, and I seem to come up empty-handed. That's what Peter was saying. He was saying, Master, we've, we've, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. We're done. We're finished. That's reality. If we're going to be honest this morning, and you know what? It's important that we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with God. How many of you know God could take our honesty? Hello? Note, Peter was being honest. Any counselor, any psychologist, any psychiatrist, any pastor who knows anything will tell you, you have to start here. This is where you start. You have to be honest. You have to be honest with yourself and with God and with others. Peter didn't make any excuses. He said, Master, we've done our best. We know our trade. We've been on this lake more times than we this is the, the, the lake of the Sea of Galilee, as it's called. And he said, you know what? We know about fishing. The best time to fish is at night. You don't fish when the sun's shining and the, the, the fish go deeper. They don't come up to the surface. This is not the time to go fishing. Peter was honest. We, we, we fail, basically. Anybody like fishing here? Any fishermen? Well, I remember when my son was young, he'd like to go fishing. So a couple of times, a few times we've gone fishing, and, um, you know, we didn't catch anything. But one time, we literally caught a duck. <laughs> we, were, we were fishing, and well, oh, before you know, we're pulling in a duck. So I told my son, I said, we didn't go fishing, we went ducking. <laughs> I don't have the anointing for fishing. But here it is, the title of my message. What, is, what does Peter say? What does Peter say? Nevertheless. Turn to the person next to you and say, nevertheless. See, this is the nevertheless of faith. The nevertheless of faith. Peter's saying, notwithstanding, not in regard to what's going on in the past, Yesterday's gone, last night's gone, today's a new day. Nevertheless, at your word. I believe that that word was a spark of faith. A spark of faith. Do you know in life, if you wait for the perfect set of circumstances, you will never begin to do anything at all? 
If you're waiting, matter of fact, there's a scripture. There's a great scripture in Ecclesiastes. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter um, 11, um, it says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, if you're always looking at the circumstances, you'll never start anything or you'll never start again if you're always looking at things around you. Peter was looking at his circumstances, but he had a spark of faith. I pray the Holy Spirit stirs up a spark of faith in your life today that says, nevertheless, I'll go at it again. Nevertheless, I'll believe what you said. Nevertheless, I'll take you at your word, God. Nevertheless. There were two major fundraising uh, stewardship campaigns that this church has had. One was back in 2000 to move into this building. We had to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. A lot of money. We actually, we had to buy this building and then it took six, $700,000 to renovate this whole building. I want you to understand this. This was, we didn't have as many people as we have today. Um, we were doing it by faith and we began a stewardship, stewardship campaign a consultant that came along to help us. And you know what happened? 9-11 hit us. For those of you that weren't alive in 2001, um, you can Google it. But in this country, we, we suffered the worst terrorist attack on our soil. And when, when those planes hit uh, the towers in New York City, everything, uh, everything went down. The stock market went down. They actually closed the stock market for a week. Never, never, never did that, I think, since the Great Depression. But, but everything was chaotic. It wasn't conducive. It was, surely was not the time to try to raise money to get into a new building. And so our, our consultant, who was from out of state, uh, would come and he would meet with our team and we would pray and strategize. And he said to us, listen, Pastor, if you want to put the, if you want to hit the pause button on this, on this campaign, we understand. It's a tough time. You know, people are in fear. We don't know what the future is going to hold. But you know what? We prayed about it. We, we talked together, our team the leadership of the church, and we prayed about it. And we said, you know what? God has called us to do this. It doesn't matter what the economy looks like. We're not trusting in the economy. We're trusting in God. What was that? It was nevertheless. The economy doesn't look good. It look, and, then, and then fast forward, something that you could all relate to is 2009, 2018. We wanted to expand our youth room. Many of you have seen that wonderful, beautiful extension, the youth room seats 150 youth, what a wonderful facility for all kinds of uh, multi-purpose use. We, we started the campaign in 2018 to raise uh, another half a million dollars. You know what happened? COVID. The worst time in the world. We couldn't even meet together. We couldn't even communicate the way we needed to to cast the vision. But you know what we did? Nevertheless... Nevertheless, we will step forward in faith. We will do what God called us to do. You might look at me, you might look at us and say, oh, yeah, that was easy. Just snap a finger. Oh, yeah, that was easy for you, Pastor. You have a lot of faith. That's what you think. I still, we still had a struggle with the reality of what we're having to deal with. And see, what I'm trying to impress you with is, is, is the nevertheless, the nevertheless of faith that says the circumstances don't look good. I've tried it before. I failed. And, and, and now, but, but, but nevertheless, 
There's a spark of faith that's going to believe God today and a miracle is going to come your way in Jesus' name. Nevertheless, I will try it again. You see, the toughest thing to do after you have failed is to try again. That's the toughest thing to do. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying to the person next to you, did you tell the pastor about what I'm going through? No, they didn't. But God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're going through. And today, the Holy Spirit wants to break that spirit of failure off of you. You see, when you fail, the enemy wants to come in and tell you. People would try to will, will want to tell you you're a failure. But I want you to understand something. Just because you fail does not mean you're a failure. All successful people, businessmen, all successful people in, in sports and in politics have failed many, many times. But what have they done? They've gotten back up. Proverbs 24 Verse 16 said, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. Turn to the person next to you saying, I'm rising again. I'm rising again. My last point, number three. Encounters that change your life. Encounters that change your life. Look at it. It says in verse, verse 6, and when they had done this, done what? Obeyed the word of the Lord that they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There are encounters with God. There are encounters that you could experience that will change your life and praise God for that that God's presence that God's power can be manifested in such a way you see Peter recognized the miracle and he reacted as one who was in the presence of almighty God I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this church. I believe God is touching people around these altars, in an office, in a, in, in a, in a conversation, here, there, wherever, where God's presence is manifesting and revealing truth and people are being set free. You see, true encounters with God will display the greatness and the holiness of God and reveal the sinfulness and unworthiness of man. You see, Peter recognized the hand of God, and it drove him to realize his own sinfulness. Understand, that's not to beat you up or to beat me up, but when we realize our sinfulness, we're drawn to the grace of God and this forgiveness and this transformation that we can live a different way, that we can be transformed, and we don't have to live like the world. The, the body of Christ, the people of God are called to be different, not only speak different, but live differently. Can you say Amen. Now, I want you to get this. See, people who are religious, and I use religious in a, in a, in a uh, negative connotation, ne negative connotation. People who are religious compare themselves to other people, i.e., the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee was comparing himself with the tax collector who, who was a known sinner, and, and, and he felt good about himself. 
And we have to be careful this morning as Christians in church and, and wherever we are that we don't become that type of religious where we compare ourselves with other people to build ourselves up so that we can tear someone else down. But people, listen to me, people who have a relationship with the Lord compare themselves with the Lord. We don't compare ourselves with other people. We compare ourselves with the Lord. And then we come to the realization that compared to him, he's so holy, he's so righteous that we need to change. God doesn't change, we change. And God in his grace and his mercy, he reaches down to where we are and he lifts us up. And he brings us to another level. Hallelujah. You see, Peter recognized the hand of God and it drove him to realize his own sinfulness. We see this throughout the Bible. Job, in chapter 42, he says, my, I have heard of you at the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees, and I abhor myself with, in, in, in dust and ashes, and I repent of my sin, and God was able to change him. See, when you come to the realization of your sin or your lack or that you're not what you should be, God's grace comes in. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why the Bible says, humble yourself. You don't want the Lord to humble you. You want God, you want to humble yourself. Because if God does it, he's going to do a good job. Another Bible character is Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah the prophet, he's a man of God, he's a prophet of God, but the Bible said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, the glory of God was there, the angels were crying holy, holy, holy. He said, when I saw the Lord, he said, I also saw myself. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone. And see, true biblical encounters that change your life see the glory of God, but you also see your sinfulness and your need of God's grace. You see, they work together. They work together. You see, what happened for Peter was that he thought he was okay, but then when he saw the power of God manifested, he said to Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Look at the response of the Lord. Verse 10. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. There was a fish in my water cup. I needed to knock it out. You see, for, for Peter, he had a realization of what he was not, but Jesus saw him for what he would become. This morning, I want you to understand that God sees you for what you're going to become, not for who you are and not for who you were. Thank God for that. Because the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passing away. The new is coming. What happened in this passage of Scripture? Would you stand together with me this morning? I'm going to ask the team to come back, and I want to close in a word of prayer. What happened for Peter? He said, nevertheless, that one word, that one word was a hinge upon which a big door shifted, a big door opened. This morning, I want you to have a spirit of faith this morning to say, nevertheless. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my circumstances are. No, I don't, but God does, and he still loves you, and he's still reaching out to you. When you resist him, when you pull back, when you let pride get in the way, you are forfeiting the grace of God in your life. You are really resisting God. 
Don't resist God this morning. Have enough of a spark of faith that say, God, it's been hard. God, I've lost ground. God, I've made mistakes. God, it doesn't seem to be working for me. Others are getting ahead. I'm falling behind. God, you're using other people. I seem to be on the shelf. But nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, what happened? Jesus, when, when, when Peter threw his net over the side of the boat, it was the wrong time of day. It was the wrong time to fish. The sun was glistening on the top of that sea. But you know what happened? The Bible says a great catch of fish. I want to believe with you this morning that when you say nevertheless, that spark of faith arises in your life and you move in what God has said and you obey God, that you will have a net-breaking, boat-sinking, blessing, provision, miracle that'll come your way. Hallelujah. Lord, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Lord, we've tried this before. Lord, we've done this before. Lord, I've showed up before. Lord, I've been to this revival. I've been to this crusade. But nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. They caught such a catch of fish. The nets began to break. The boat began to sink. Hallelujah. Think about that this morning. What God can do for you today. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the spirit and the power that works within you this morning. I want to ask you this morning, we're going to take a few moments and close in prayer, but, but if, if there's a nevertheless in your heart, in your spirit, a spark of faith, nevertheless, I'm going to pray for my children again. Nevertheless, I'm going to believe for healing in my family. Nevertheless, I'm going to believe for a financial miracle. Nevertheless, I'm going to serve God again. Nevertheless, if that's you, just move out of your seat. Come around the front. We're going to close in prayer. But I want you to just be honest with God and just respond in faith this morning. In Jesus' name, as the team begins to sing, you come. Blessed Jesus is mine. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's been my father.